the recap. Part of Pastoring Out Loud, where we recap the previous week's sermon. For the second week in a row, we are uh, talking about the apocalypse of St. John. And I'm uh, greatly encouraged just because we're going through it. I mean, like, I, I thought your sermon was great too, Dave, but just the fact Thanks, that we're man. going Dave explained it. what apocalypse means on he Sunday. He did, yeah, yeah. You, you unpacked it. It was a really helpful sermon. Um, your outline talked about marveling, just kind of like standing and marveling, like we've got this book. Mm-hmm. This is a great book. And then you unpacked it helpfully over the first eight verses. Um, you want to just chat a little bit, like what was 60 seconds, the spread of the first eight verses was? Yeah, the first three or four are really context of how the letter is coming to the churches. It's talked about, you know, uh, from God through Jesus, through the angel, to John, to the people, this fivefold kind of witness. Um, and, and brought that up also because there's later parts in the book where a fair question could be, is this Jesus? Is this the angel? Is this, you know, the father? Who's talking here exactly? And I think that uh, we should see it as yes. That's how this message has come mm-hmm. uh, the whole the whole way since the very beginning. Yeah, fivefold, right? Yeah, yeah. Like Father, Son, Angel, John, churches. churches, and you could and you could probably infer from later that the, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's part of it too. I mean, as you get later, in yeah, the yeah, book. yeah, yeah. Um, what the hear yeah. what the Spirit says yeah. to the churches. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. But that's not quite in the first few verses. Um, but just talked about marveling that our God would want us to know, you know, know these things about what's going on, uh, that we would be blessed by reading and hearing and then obeying all that's written and that it's a letter of grace and peace to the churches, um, which is which I think is important for context because there's some pretty stern rebukes, you know, come up for the churches and for the churches to know this is meant to be grace and peace to you. Uh, is pretty stunning. And so just wanted to marvel at, look at our God who communicates, who wants to reveal himself to us, who wants to give us endurance and encouragement, who wants to pour out grace and peace on his church. Yeah. is a sweet reminder for us as a church. And just talked a little bit about the context of, man, persecution would have been uh, rampant. And it would have been, a, I, think, I think the words I used were, uh, what were the words I used to describe? Wearisome and... Uh, worrisome, I think we're, you know, wearying and worrying would have been common. Uh, But here's God saying, I'm here, I'm with you. You're going to make it, you're going to overcome. And try to also emphasize from the very beginning, overcoming looks like through suffering to glory, not health, wealth, and prosperity necessarily change the circumstances, but follow Jesus through suffering to glory. Um, And then the second one is just marveling at our triune God. So God the Father, uh, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, I think, are highlighted in these first few verses, verses 4 to 7, or 4 to 8, really, all of them, and just who they are as Alpha, Omega, the one who is, who was, who is to come, the sevenfold spirit from before the throne, which I think is referring to the perfect Holy Spirit as the empowering, encouraging uh, witness to the church, and then Jesus Christ, who uh, is the firstborn, uh, firstborn from the dead, the, the firstborn of a new kind of resurrection life for the people of God and who has freed us from our sins by his blood and who loves us. Uh, so just marveling at the, you know, the grace and peace comes to us from our triune God who is for us and not against us and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and 
always working and has been working for the good of the church eternally and will into eternity future. And then I just said marveling at our eternal hope. So obviously if we have a God who wants to communicate, reveal himself, who's been working, who is working, who loves us and is freed us by his blood, who sends his spirit to empower us, who is the one who controls all of history, man, we're in a good spot. Yeah. You know, just we, we've got we've got sure hope. We've got unshakable hope. We've got a kind of hope that I think I said, you know, doesn't doesn't rely on the next election or rely on a change of circumstances, but a God who can meet us right where we're at and uh, promises to bring us all the way home. So, yeah, yeah, I just it's just quite a book. Which is and and again, the, like in all the books of the Bible, the main actor is God. Yeah, and it's good to just stand back and marvel at who He is and what He's done yeah. over and over again. Mm-hmm. I think it's the main point. Those are the main points, I mean, of this yeah. sermon. Stacy's got her journal open and is ready to go. I liked how you pointed out that, you know, what the people needed, you know, what they yeah. needed through the suffering that they were going through and what we need is a view of God and that that's, he's revealing himself to them and that's what we need to see first mm-hmm. and foremost. Mm-hmm. And so I like how you highlighted that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys elaborated on this last week, but could you... Explain a little bit more when you guys have said, or Dave especially has said that um, the message of Revelation can't mean to us what it didn't mean to the original audience. Can you just like explain that and like use if there's any examples or something? Yeah, I I can, and then whoever else wants to chime in. Um, I think the point in saying that a lot of people have said that was interesting or helpful. Yeah. Um, is that I think that a lot of times we're prone to, I think, I think the way the book of Revelation is often studied is in a, what I would call kind of a speculative way. So I'm going to read this and I'm going to try to locate these events or this, who the beast is, or, you know, like who, the, you know, I'm just going to do a lot of locating in my, my present context. And then I'm going to, you know, uh, make a chart and try to figure out how it all is going to work and then make a prediction. You know, it's kind of, that's, that's an extreme way it's worked out, but isn't that far off from how I think a lot of people read it in less extreme ways. And I would just say, um, as you, as you just steep yourself in it over and over again, you just get this understanding. Um, we're going to do a podcast on like what the background of Asia minor was at the time with the churches too. But like here's a people that needed a word from the Lord. You know, they needed to hear from him. They needed his help. They needed his mercy. They need to understand, be reminded of what was going on in reality. And so I just don't think that the churches then would have read it and been like, well, thanks for letting us know, you know, what's going to happen in a couple thousand years. It's really encouraging. Um, I think that it was a present word for them. In other words, like every other book of the Bible, it's written for particular people in a particular time and place with lasting universal uh, applications for us as the church, certainly. And certainly there are parts of it that point to future events that are very hope and life-giving for the church now. But I think that we got to wrestle first with how would the original readers have received this? <coughs> how, how would it have impacted them and then after we get that right, we say, okay, what are the lasting applications for us? So that, 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 that's how I would say it. And, and may, maybe one of the main reasons I'd say that, and I think I said this in the sermon too, is that rather than trying to locate our, um, our present modern day, can I find this or this, you know, around me and 
the world or the culture, I think that they would receive this and just heard Old Testament all over it. Like I just, I was just listening to a podcast with, um, from someone, I can't remember who it was now, who said, you know, it, it has almost no direct Old Testament quotes. It's got a few, but it has more Old Testament allusions <laughs> than any other New Testament book, you know? And I think that they just would have heard that and it actually would have made sense to them versus them kind of sitting going, I wonder what that is, or I wonder, you know what I mean? So I think that just changes completely how you uh, interpret it and then take it in, especially if the call is to obey it, which seems like a big deal to me. Yeah, like an easy example would be like, who is the beast? Is the beast the antichrist? Antichrist is not a term that shows up in Revelation, shows up in Paul's writings and in 1 John. so is, is the beast a person? Well, the background of the beast is these beastly empires in Daniel's visions from the book of Daniel. They're, they're empires. So if I'm a first century reader and I say the beast is being thrown into the lake of fire, the beast is doing all of these things, I'm not thinking an individual. I'm thinking an empire. Therefore, what that meant for them, we, we have to think in the same terms. We can't like shift that symbolism from the Old Testament that they would have received to it's a person. Uh, that would mm-hmm. be like yeah. one easy example. And you, I also just wanted to highlight Daniel's Sunday school class that has been giving yeah. um, background and it, Old Testament context for understanding Revelation. That's been really helpful for me so far too. But um, just to mm. go back to what you guys were both saying about my question, and, and that's how we want to read the whole Bible, correct? And interpret yeah. the Bible is yeah. to first understand what it meant for the original audience, yeah. Yeah. and only out of that can we yep. apply it to ourselves. Yeah, it's, right. it's so, using the analogy of faith. That's the scripture interprets scripture. Right, is the kind of principle, um, and we start there a hundred percent of the time. Yeah, as opposed to someplace else. Even what we're going to talk about the podcast. I think we're about to record. We'll be out in a little bit. Like, um, you know what was the context of Asia Minor, like, you know, the cultural context is only going to take you so far. It's helpful. What's determinative more than that is how the Bible interprets the Bible. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to decide what would be most helpful. Because, um, I mean, this question came up at small group, too, um, because we're, uh, <clears throat> you know, in Truth on Fire right now, we're going through biblical theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we learn in biblical theology is that there are things in the Old Testament that point forward mm-hmm. to New Testament things that the original author or the original audience wouldn't have been fully aware of, you know, the meaning. Um, and so that, you know, when I, when you said that in the, the sermon, I'm like, huh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there is like types and things in the Old Testament that find a future fulfillment that the original audience was like, oh, I, I didn't know the details of all of that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But so the question is, was like, so then how does this work if it can't mean for us what it didn't mean for them? Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you how I answered it and then you can tell me if... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. If I was wrong, um, <clears throat> I said that this isn't, you know, the genre of what's happening here and where it's located in the biblical storyline this isn't pointing forward to a future fulfillment. This is often, you know, in Revelation, the fulfillment. Like mm-hmm. this is the, you know, in Christ, what everything was pointing to, especially mm-hmm. as you get into the later chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just this, this, that's not the point of this type of fore, forth, 
yeah, forth telling, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you just have to, that's why studying the genre of scripture and like what the point is mm-hmm. matters mm-hmm. because, yeah. So, I mean, would you answer that question the same way or nuance it slightly differently? I defer or? to my preaching pastor. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I think in so many ways when you're talking type, anti-type, that, you know, anything after the death and resurrection of Jesus mm-hmm. is and, uh, and ascension is fulfillment. Right, yeah. So I'd say that about almost all the epistles. Yeah. You know, I'd say that about, so yeah, I, I would say yes. I think the point I'm making is that if I'm, if I'm, an early, if I'm in the early church and I'm receiving this letter, that the Bible I have, uh, the Bible I've had longest and heard most is probably the Old Testament. Right. Um, particularly, you know, some of the prophets and some of the, uh, some of those things were, were very often read and preached on uh, regularly in the early church. And therefore, as I'm hearing it, I think in God's providence, I've probably got all sorts of like, oh, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I mean, I joked about the helicopters in the sermon, but like I'm not as an early church person thinking, oh, those locusts, I wonder if that's some future machine you know, that's, that's going to bring about some kind of mass destruction. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I remember locusts in the Old Testament. I remember what they yep. did. I remember what they stood for. This is like that. Um, yeah. in, in, um, now through the lens of the death and resurrection of Jesus in the context that they're living in. So that's what I mean. Yeah. I think that totally. we gotta, we got to put ourselves in their place first and then go, what's the lasting implication for the church? Yeah, yeah totally. Now. Yeah, and I think lasting implication is the right way to say it. That's great. Every generation of Christians looking at, like this, like um, the revelation is not a microcosm, it's a macrocosm. It's a a big picture, a big painted canvas that makes sense in the first century, makes sense in the 10th century, it makes sense in the 21st century because we're seeing through Old Testament a pattern develop in God's world. Yeah. So that you say, oh, Roman Empire? That looks just like the Greek Empire, the Persian Empire, the you know, the Babylonian Empire, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the name yeah. that it takes on. Oh, God God's people look like this. They're under oppression, but they're protected by God. I remember that from the remnant coming back from Babylon, mm-hmm. from the mm-hmm. Egyptian, you know, plagues. I remember that from the people being in the land. Mm-hmm. I remember that from the story of the patriarchs wandering the you know, the promised land and elsewhere. There's patterns that are developed and therefore it's like an expansive fulfillment that includes today and will include every generation. And, and, and maybe that's why even in the sermon, I started using words like beastly mm-hmm. or dragon-like to describe kind of, to, to even begin s- trying to set up like these are patterns. Yeah. So I have yeah. two exegetical questions. <laughs> Give me more, I know, Exegesis, not Dave Strong's. Like, come on. <laughs> right. It's like, deer in the headlights. Uh, seven spirits. That was a joke, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deer, yeah. deer in the headlights yeah. look. But tell me, like, the seven spirits, uh-huh. what is the, like, the precise reason from this text? Like, you, I think you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the Old Testament background yeah. from Zechariah. Um, you know, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Is there anything from this text that just lends itself to like, oh, this is clearly the Holy Spirit? 
Yeah, I think, yeah. And actually this is one I would have hung out on a little bit more if I had a little bit more time. Um, I think that them being before the throne yeah. really lends itself to that. And I think that that's then later confirmed when you get to like chapters four and five with the throne right, language right. of this triune God. So I, I would say that I'd say the number seven throughout revelation contextually stands for wholeness or complete yeah, or yeah, perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so actually there's a, there's a version. It's the NLT. Is it? Yeah. Is it the NLT? It's yeah. a sevenfold. Yeah. Sevenfold spirit of God. I like that. Yeah, capitalizes spirit. I like that version. I think it's representative of what's trying to be communicated. Yeah. So yeah, I think with the Old Testament context and then the the context of what seven means in Revelation and then where the seven spirits show up again yeah. as as proceeding from <laughs> the throne, um, like like the spirit is a part of the throne and then going, you know, out to the people of God um, makes us makes makes me and you know. Yeah. Many other commentators say this is this is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Grace and peace from right. right. And that only is comes the from other God. thing. Yes, like, yes, yeah, yeah, it never yep. comes from anywhere else other than yep. God. That's right. Uh, there's no angel that sends grace and peace to the churches. And then so yeah. just like just like Jesus is pictured as a lamb, and yep. then he's also this man, this this uh, like divine man. Right. So too, the Spirit can be both. The Spirit speaks to the churches, like right. clearly identified as such. And then also, like the seven spirits, which are yeah. close. And that just gives a little bit of a picture into how apoc- apocalyptic lit gets read. Yep. Well, friends, this has been lit. Um, <laughs> I, I'm excited to continue through the book of Revelation. Um, continue to send questions. You know, the Revelation read-through is coming again, third Thursday of February. We had a great time at the last one at David and Karen's house. Uh, just read together, pray together, you know, come to the Old Testament class, check out the resources on the website uh, and continue to listen. Thanks, everyone.